Welcome to Real History, shows what you know about history. On this podcast, we talk about historical movies and television shows, anything that claims to be based on a true story, and we check how bad did they mess it up? How much did they sacrifice to get a great story? Well, that's why we're here, to separate the real history from the real history. My name's Jacob Burrows, and I don't know anything about history. And my name is Michael Tynan, and after watching the movie we covered this week, I will never look at a swan in the same way again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Mark Bell, and I've thus far managed to never fall off a horse. Ah, well, you'd be one of the few uh, in this time period. We're going to talk about Outlaw King, or the historical context around Outlaw King. Now, if you don't know this film, uh, it came out in late 2018. Uh, Is that right, Michael? Yeah, it was uh, November 9th, 2018. It's a straight-to-Netflix job. Um, It's part of a pattern that Netflix seems to be currently developing of bringing out kind of medieval historical movies, always probably a month or two before Christmas. They they know who their target market is, and their target market is us. (laughs) (laughs) It's very good of them to do that. Yeah. Make movies just for us, right? (laughs) Yeah, so this came out 2018, and then in 2019, The King following the same pattern. I'm, I'm sure we don't know about what's going to be the 2021 yet, but uh, I'm sure it'll be something similar. Outlaw yeah. King 2. Yeah. Well, well, I wonder, like, were they planning to make a sequel to this? Because mm-hmm. it, it, like, it, the way it ends is kind of strange. You kind of jump forward a lot of years and stuff, but yeah, it, it doesn't end at a uh, like a conclusion. Because it, it, I'm jumping right towards the end of the movie here, but it's, it kind of says, "Oh, this was the turning point in the war," but it doesn't wrap it up. Well, yeah. it's a it's a movie anyway, Dad. You wouldn't have, be lacking in material Scottish history if you did want to do it, make a series of movies oh, or sure. TV shows or whatever the case would be. No? Yeah. So the film Outlaw King it was uh, directed by Dave McKinsey, um, and starring it uh, in it we have Chris Pine, Billy Howell, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, and a host of other peoples. Florence Pugh, is yes. she, she's she's kind of become a bit of a rising star recently. She's in Little Women. Oh yes, yeah. That's Did right. we mention Stephen Delan? Uh, no, we didn't. We should always mention Stephen yeah. Delan. Uh, he's a firm <laughs> favorite of this podcast. You know, mm. uh, he's sort of a, if you know if he's in a movie, you can take it. It'll probably be all right. You know. Yeah, uh, it has a running time of 121 minutes and cost about 120 million dollars to make. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah, which is always sort of strange when you talk about Netflix and you go, because usually you can check, like, what did a film earn and how much did it cost? Yeah. Uh, simple math. And here it's like 120 million. Yeah, why not? We'll do one next year as well. Yeah. What did it earn? Who knows? <laughs> it's Netflix. Yeah. But I think that that's interesting because they, um, they've taken some uh, kind of risks that I think maybe traditional studios can't take. Mm. Like, you know how we, we discussed the, the Irishman in another episode, and um, I, I was watching, like, an interview with, with, like, studio heads, like a round table kind of thing, mm. and they were basically all saying they had to pass on the Irishman because they couldn't justify putting that level of money into a three-hour yeah. movie about Frank Sheeran, but Netflix were like, well, we'll fucking do it. Because yeah. they, they're not looking for a it's, box it's office Scorsese. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter, yeah. And then, yeah. like, it gives Netflix a level of legitimacy, I think, as yeah. well, that Scorsese has made a movie with them now. So, like, no director has any excuse to not, you know, not follow their model. Yeah. You know? so. Have you uh, done a, a two-sentence summary of this one, Jacob? I believe it's one sentence even, yes, but I have. Um, and it is this. A Scottish man declares himself king and starts a war of independence, gets his army destroyed, and scrounges up troops to fight some guerrilla warfare, and finally win a big battle against the odds. Separating the history from it, that's 
that's pretty much yeah the that's story. bang on i mean that's yeah. bang on really so if it? you haven't if you haven't seen it uh the film takes place in the early 1300s we start in 1304 right yeah 1304 is where where it starts off with the uh the scottish lords basically uh swearing fealty to edward the first of england yeah mm. following the, the collapse of william wallace's rebellion which you will see in the movie braveheart yes well, a version of it in the movie Braveheart. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a version of it here as well. There's mm. been lots of comparisons because it's obviously like similar time period in that, which is more historically accurate. And I mean, we'll get into the context in a second. But overall, I mean, the the overall feeling that I've had is that sort of as far as the facts, it's pretty much accurate. It seems mm. to be. Uh, but then in execution, it's a bit over the top where you're like, well... There's a couple of bits, like some notable moments that definitely didn't happen. Yes, but beyond that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. but a lot of the facts are there, and a lot of the, a lot of detail is correct as well. Yeah, it's beautifully shot too, which kind of, in terms of uh, the scenery used, yeah. the, the castles, uh, even the the, the, co- the costumes. I think, costumes I think are really really superb. Yeah. Like you can see where the money's gone. Yeah, there's some shots in the movie where there's like cavalry charges or just these like mass ranks of cavalry kind of riding over hills and stuff and the, the, the camera kind of sweeps out behind it and stuff you can see there's, there's money in this like you know it's yeah. it's, it's a fine looking film like you know yeah um so it's 1304 but what uh, like assume i don't know anything about this period of time that's usually a fair assumption and to zoom back a few hundred years what is leading up to the current conflict so um the 1300s, so 14th century, it's, this is the kind of the height of feudal uh, Europe. And what feudalism means, basically, is there's a series of uh, lords um, with varying titles, like earls and dukes and barons and all this kind of stuff. Um, most of Europe is kind of under this system where there's a series of lords who own certain patches of land that they're responsible for. Then they're sworn to higher lords who are then sworn to kings. Like a patchwork quilt. All yeah, over very much so. Different little kingdoms. And, and the, the thing with it is, really, like these, a patchwork quilt is a good way of phrasing it, like, because there are, there's a huge amount of, like, intermarriages and, and there's power struggles between various lords and so on. But f- for Britain specifically, um, it the best thing really to do is you can trace it back to the famous, um, the famous Norman king, William the Bastard, William the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. So basically, um, Two slightly different titles. Well, yeah. So you were originally called William the Bastard when he was the Duke of just Duke of Normandy, and then after conquering England, he's known as William the Conqueror. Fair. So he, so he's the Duke of Normandy. Normandy is one of these, like, I, like I mentioned, one of these areas of land that kind of owes fealty to the, the French crown nominally, um, but just through various politics and kind of intermarriages and things like that, William the Bastard has a, a reasonably weak claim on the English throne. So what happens is the Anglo-Saxon king of England dies and uh, there's a kind of a, a battle over who's going to replace him. The local uh, Anglo-Saxon king is a guy called Harold Godwinson. He basically assumes the throne as the most powerful noble. That pisses off William the Bastard. He decides he's going to invade England. So there's a big battle, um, the Battle of Hastings in 1066. Yeah. Oh yeah, so William we- the Conqueror takes out Harold Godwinson. There's the famous bio-tapestry where you can see mm. uh, Harold Godwinson takes an arrow to the eye. And basically, he, he takes him out. So the Norman forces um, essentially move into England, and they start uh, they start basically harrying the countryside and taking out the Anglo-Saxon nobility and replacing them with their own men. Mm. And they they build a network of castles throughout Britain. Mm. 
So all those famous castles that you see, you know, on the tourist board and all those kind of ads and stuff, and, you know, whenever you see things about medieval Europe, they're often Norman castles that they're showing. Mm. So there's a series of these constructed all around Britain. Um, but, I, I, like, in, in the Scottish context, what's, what's kind of important to understand is borders that we understand now just are not fixed. In yeah. Feudal systems, they're really, really not fixed at all. So some of the, the northern lords who are notoriously difficult to handle in, in English history, um, some of those are uh, marry Scottish nobles. So there's a lot of um, back and forth and exchange of lands. And yeah. through this, basically, Norman lords begin filtering into Scotland and intermarrying with the local aristocracy I think it's there. A, it's important to say as well that uh, like people would have had nominal overlordship of areas yeah um but in reality on the ground they had no influence at all like you would have had the example of at this time um the english king would have nominally been the lord of ireland yeah uh but in reality he had a small uh, piece of land around dublin you know well, yeah, and you, you might you might even say that he didn't really even control that to any great extent you know i mean the the norman expansion kind of happened slowly over a couple of centuries, they've they kind of filtered into Scotland through intermarriages and, and through um, land exchanges, things like that. Um, they came to Ireland uh, at the invitation of the King of Leinster a hundred years later, so around uh, 1167 they arrived in. And they all nominally, like you say, owe fealty to the English King, but realistically they were basically ruling Ireland in little patchwork kingdoms, reasonably independently of the King. I mm. think uh, it's I think that's interesting about the Normans is how effective they were at intermarrying like their whole their own heritage would have originally been uh from scandinavian would have been yeah viking settlements and sackings and stuff like that and then they intermarried in with french nobility well the the, the whole thing was basically there was uh, repeated viking attacks on northern france uh, leading up to the, the siege of paris and basically, the French king was like, right, how do, how do I stop this? So he bought them off. Yeah. So he basically said, right, I'll give you this land in the north of France, which became Normandy, so yeah. the, the land of the Northmen. Yeah. You take this land, I'll give you the title Duke of Normandy, you swear fealty to me, and then you'll defend this land from further Scandinavian yeah. attacks. That's essentially how Normandy gets founded, you know. But they do quickly, wherever they went, these Viking people, uh, they... They seem to they have integrated really, really well yeah. eventually, and they marry in very easily. They normally convert to Christianity. Yeah, they normally adopt the local language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and know, it's been almost three hundred years at the point of the film yeah, since yeah. then. Ca- since they came over yeah. and started doing that, so as usual, something in a story or a film will depict it a bit like this is the old people of the land fighting against the new aggressors yeah. or whatever, where in fact it's more, as it almost always is, more of a family squabble going yeah, on where much more, all these nobles are related yeah. to each other and all the peasants don't really know who they're well, paying taxes to there's, anyway. There's a great <laughs> phrase in Irish, uh, in Ireland that we, we always use about the Normans where we say they become more Irish than the Irish themselves. Yeah, And that, that later presents a problem to the English uh, crown because the, the Norman lords in Ireland become so Gaelicized and so adopted into the culture here even to the extent that names, like, like family names here that you would regard as being very Irish, like Fitzgerald, that's a Norman name. Yeah, yeah. Power, that's Feast, a Norman uh, name. You yeah, know, yeah. all those, uh, Burke, Barry, those kind yeah. of names, they're all, they're all Norman names. But that's very much is what happens in Scotland. You know, they just it's get... It's a process currently ongoing uh, with our friend Jacob here, who is yeah. now in Ireland a couple of years, and <laughs> slowly becoming a more slow Irish conversion. than any of us. You know? yeah. yeah. So we're going to start calling him Seamus. Seamus. Yeah. yeah, which <laughs> I guess is the closest to... Uh, yeah, it's about as close. We I think, I think like Jacob or Jacobus is probably Latin for 
James, right? And then the Irish were James and Seamus. So, yeah, right. it's possible we can get right? Yeah, like, it's all a bit of a stretch. Matt Richard. Matt Richard, yeah. really. So, as someone undergoing this process, yeah. I didn't come via <laughs> France. Uh, but, uh, but there I was get, no invasion. <laughs> yeah, but I am integrating uh, cannily um, yeah. and figuring things out. Now, so any notable events then leading up to the years just preceding the film from the Norman sort of infiltration, if we'll call it that? Well, there's a there's a there's kind of a problem in Scotland. Um, so there's a kingdom of Scotland. There's a kingdom of yeah. Scotland and a kingdom of England, completely separate. Well, just familial ties, but they're nominally separate, two separate crowns. Yeah. Um, and basically, what happens is the king of Scotland, which is Alexander the mm. Third, um, he dies without an heir. Now, hilariously. He dies by just falling off his horse. <laughs> yeah. Which is pretty ridiculous. I was reading he went on a nighttime uh, kind of horse ride through the countryside to see, I think, his wife or someone his like missus, that. Yeah. And yeah, that was the end of him. Fell off the horse. He yeah. died. Now, the problem there is there's no heir. So, in, in feudal times... And he was going to see his wife, you said. So he, he might have worked on that that very night. He might have been going to try and sorted. produce an heir. I think, yeah, yeah he, <laughs> only had, he had a daughter, I think, but she wouldn't have... Being of age and, you know, given the treatment of women in general in the feudal age, it wouldn't have made much difference. But what what always happens in the feudal system is, like, as soon as there isn't an obvious line of succession, anyone who has any kind of familial claim on the throne, everyone just starts claiming it. I believe it was just from what I was reading a little bit, there was, you know, over a dozen claims to the church after Alexander III died. And they were had this. You, you were calling it the Great Cause, were you? Yeah. So the, in, in in Scottish history, they refer to this as the Great Cause. Basically, what happens is there's so many Scottish noble families that have some kind of a claim that there's a real fear that this is just going to be a, a, an incredibly large civil war amongst all the various clans and, and noble families and stuff. So what they do is they uh, they make a huge political blunder and they invite the King of England, yeah, to come in and, and be an arbiter over who should who should take the throne you know this is old Lang- Longshank is it so this is uh, Edward yeah. I Longshank who is known to history as the Hammer of Scots yeah so not a great job inviting him to the whole uh, thing is it I mean the Hammer h- of Scots I guess he didn't wasn't called that he wasn't called that yet yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, but still like, in hindsight not great yeah uh, not, not the move to make what he basically does is he, he's a bit of a political animal yeah. Edward I and he he sees this uh, internal weakness in Scotland as his opportunity to essentially expand his power base. Yeah. So he's essentially going to rule Scotland by proxy. And uh, this is Stephen Delane's character. This is Stephen Delane's character, Delane. yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he plays Edward I. He plays him magnificently, yeah. we, we, must, we must say. But he... Uh, Fan, tree fanboys here, basically. I love him, <laughs> yeah. I think he's a great actor, yeah. yeah. But he, um, he, uh, he, he basically turns the turmoil in Scotland to his advantage, to his political advantage, and expands his power there. You must remember as well, at this point in, in English history, like they're, they're highly concerned with uh, the throne in France as well. There's, a, there's kind of a, this battle going on between the French throne and the English throne over, over who's actually got a better claim on France. Check so he, out our episode on the king to learn more about yeah, that. Yeah, so it's all tied in there. This is a hundred years previous. Um, so yeah, so he turns that basically to his to his advantage and starts levying taxes on the Scottish people. Um, it all gets a bit out of hand, and then there's essentially a large rebellion then against Edward's rule. Yeah, um, and there's this fella called William something or other. Yeah, so hmm. William William Wallace, yeah. um, who's a kind of a reasonably minor um, kind of local. Uh, Baron, he uh, he raises kind of a, a populist rebellion. Him and another guy called Andrew de Murray. 
they I mean, raised this pop- populist kind of rebellion against a character who's not in this film or in or Brave in Braveheart. Braveheart. Well, no, no. no, his arm is in this film. No, he's talking about Andrew Demurray. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Demurray yeah. is not neither. Yeah. No, and he's kind of yeah, it's just been forgotten by popular history, which is a bit, bit mean on the poor guy. But um, they have this populist rebellion. Now, the the barons and the lords and the claimants on the throne in Scotland they get involved on kind of both sides of this, and and they. It's it's just it's enormously complex who's fighting whom and whatever. Um, but eventually Wallace's rebellion kind of runs out of steam, and they they finally lose a battle against against the English forces, and Wallace goes into hiding. He's eventually captured, and we see the result in in Outlaw King, where they, where his he's hung drawn a quarter, and they they, yeah. they they bring his arm to Berwick, which is a town in the south of Scotland, right on the border with England, and they yeah. nail his arm to this to this cross, you know, which is which incites. Uh, yeah and it was even uh, i mean we only we see the arm we assume bad things have happened but it's even worse in real history where you know he was stripped naked dragged from a horse uh, by a horse through the streets of london uh hanged but then they release him before he dies you know just uh half strangle him draw and quarter him emasculate eviscerate oh and this sounds like a rap lyric at this point <laughs> yeah. but like yeah and then uh his bowels were burned uh with him watching and he was beheaded and cut into four parts that were sent around Scotland. But yeah, like, this isn't a movie brutal. about two-dimensional uh, or one-dimensional bad guys, you know? But like, they're <laughs> no, not doing themselves not. any favours <laughs> well, here. We, we were they? saying earlier, like, the English always just come off so terribly in these historical movies, don't they? Like, yeah. These, uh, like, yes. If you like, are sometimes English. it is justified, you know? I know, like, of course, but I mean, it's a matter of a period. This, the Scots yeah. probably would have done something similar if the, if the tables were turned, you know? But it's yeah. just, they always come off so, so, so poorly, like, you know? It's hard to say how, if you're English listening to this, how do you feel watching films where you're clearly the bad guys, like uh, Outlaw King? Yeah, yeah I, I always think that about Russians as well. You know, yeah. you see, like any movie from the 80s or 90s, it's always, the villains are always Russians. It's always Russians that James Bond's killing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. So we have uh, William Wallace is dead. This is a ba- this is a bit into the film because our film does start with the big surrender. Um, yeah. So it's after Wallace's forces have have, uh, have finally finally been defeated, and uh, the nobles are basically gathered together uh, by Edward at Stirling, which is kind of a, a castle that that had uh, hadn't uh, surrendered uh, to Edward. Now. When uh, by the time the movie opens, the castle attempted to surrender, but he 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 wouldn't he wouldn't accept the surrender because he wanted to show off his power with this this incredible trebuchet, which he calls the war wolf, which yeah, is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah and that uh, is one of those things I mentioned as like fact checking tick boxes. That is that part is correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that that bit did really happen. He did want to show off the power. He has a really good line, Stephen Delane. He says, uh, he says to to the Bruce, he, he turns to him. He says, it's it's important that everyone understands that this surrender is final. Mm. You know, we're not going to have any of this negotiation or any of this kind of crack anymore. You're you've surrandered now. All of Scotland, and he attempts to. So basically, he attempts to bring all the Scottish noblemen under his uh, kingship, and he used he obviously uses the whole hammer the Scots thing and force, but he also marries Robert de Bruce, who's one of our the main claimants to the Scottish throne. He marries him off to is it his. His goddaughter, His yeah. Goddaughter, and so that's, that's Florence Pugh's character, uh, Elizabeth de Burgh. Yeah, yeah. So the Elizabeth de Burgh is the, the daughter of uh, is it Richard Oge de Burgh? Richard Oge de Burgh. Yeah. He's, he's the Earl of Ulster. So he's a he's a uh, he's a prominent military figure in in Edward's army. So he's he's a lord in Ireland who owes, owes fealty to the Norman king in England, and he's a he's a 
uh, a marshal in in Edward's army, and so he's fairly he's fairly tight with Edward. Important to note as well, uh, Robert de Bruce's father, who's also called Robert de Bruce, confusingly. Yeah. Um, he's a he's a childhood friend of of Edward's and had been in in the Holy Land on crusade with him, which mm. they reference quite a lot in the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the movie opens with with uh, the Bruce kind of being forced to swear fealty and you can see he really doesn't want to do it the Scottish king, the Scottish nobles are all standing around looking very sullen and forlorn he, he has, he's loyalty. forced to, he's forced by Edward to shake the hand of the other main rival I think it's important so there's two main although there's 12 or 13 claims on the mm. Scottish throne there's two main rivals yeah there's the two strongest yeah. ones and they're, they're the strongest because they're the most powerful lords left basically who can who can yeah. make uh, adequate claims to the throne so, so that's we've got robert de bruce and robert de bruce and he, he he's uh the uh, earl of carrick which is in ayrshire and then there's john common is the other one i can't remember where he's the earl of but he's he's a pretty powerful lord as well but those two families just they just hate each other you know and there's a scene where where it, like in in that setup where where edward makes them shake hands you yeah. know and he's like neither of you are going to be king you're both under me kind of thing, yeah. you know except yeah. that this is what it is you know and neither of them like it but mm. there's not much they can do about it at this he's point. got a massive trebuchet and he might just put you in it if you don't show yeah up. exactly <laughs> you yeah know? yeah so they um they're forced to come to this agreement but it doesn't really last very long and as far as the film depicts it's a bit like why did it uh, end up breaking apart? But before then, I just want to mention about a few more of the characters there that we meet early on, because the film opens with a long shot, uh, just moving around this whole scene. There's a sort of mock duel um, between the Bruce and Edward II. Or Speaking of things that didn't happen. The Prince of Wales, yeah. <laughs> future king of England. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Prince of Wales. And he... Um, yeah, I mean, there's... A, I've watched this film twice now once almost a year ago and, and once just now and i think when you're watching it the first time you're like this is fabulous like they've they've got the armor right hooray yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's i mean there's a lot of historical accuracy to it but you really get a sense having looked into the history of like what bits are added for dramatic effect and i mean basically the prince of wales and all of his personality is uh seemingly something that's just had to be added because he's so over the top compared to yeah, everything he's, else he, like I and mean, this is good this is the uh the actor billy howells playing this guy right and he, yeah he just it's just absolutely cartoonish isn't it he's just like a lunatic evil 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 man this is know? where the cartoonish uh stereotype co- uh, seems to be a pattern with netflix i know we were it's a little bit off topic but if you listen to our episode on the king which is available now um you can see within it that they have picked uh, robert patterson to play the french dauphin the french prince yeah and he's equally ridiculous so it's basically he might might even be more ridiculous yeah they seem to be picking they want to have in every movie a slightly ridiculous power hungry mad kid uh Maybe that was just the reality. I don't know, but it seems to, I definitely notice a pattern in these movies. Anyway, yeah, the, the, the <laughs> one, one 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 criticism you'd have to kind of level at the movie is 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 that it 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 goes no way to offer any kind of nuance into some of the characters. They're yeah. just the characters are just plainly good or plainly bad. Yeah, and I think uh, it's really interesting with Netflix how they sort of cook shows together because they have all this data on what people enjoy, and I think. Basically, the the choice to accept the Irishman 
was just checked uh, a lot, checking a lot of boxes for like yes mm. people are watching all of these things on Netflix and they're also interested in these things so let's get Scorsese to do this but like with this one even more there's definitely overlapping Venn diagrams telling people yeah. what films in this genre are people watching the most of and what ingredients are in those films and how can we cook up something that is guaranteed to have a large enough chunk of demographic of our viewers that it's worth making mm. and I think the, some of the ingredients are like it's got to be a big battle <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. Uh, gotta be like yeah, pretty much a, a, cartoon, a, a clear story, a clear story, of good yeah. and bad, an, an, obvi- an obvious body, an obvious. Plus, story. we've we've already got loads of leftover chain mail from the last movie, so we might <laughs> well, as well use. I it. do, I do wonder that. I mean, do they are, are they just going to like reuse a lot of the a lot of the stuff? They probably are. Like you know, you know if there's any not, Netflix cost, right? producers out there who'd like to fill in. Uh, the real history team on whether you recycle your chainmail. I mean, lads, I think sure we, we could probably come up with a few scripts if they were stuck. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing as well. It's like it's so for us because those things might be generated by their algorithms, but it's also just clearly uh, popular tropes yeah, in the genre yes. in yeah, general. Yeah, yeah. So, like, let's throw this in. So, yeah, Billy Hal. I don't think he does a bad job of what he's no doubt urged to do. Yeah, it just feels like. It's it is kind of lacking from uh, in not having some nuance in there, especially with the Bruce who his motivation for starting uh, restarting this rebellion and mm. making himself king and all of this. It's so unclear in the film that because basically what happens is William Wallace's leg gets hung up and and then he goes home and there's almost a riot and I think he mm. says something like the people won't have peace and I would re- just kind of respect the story yeah. more if he was like. I have wanted to be king all my life. Shut up, you guys. I'm yeah, gonna be king. Yeah, we're doing it. Fuck yeah. you guys. <laughs> well, there's, there, it's interesting because, like, I think that's a really good point. Like, there, his motivation for, or the, the motivation the movie is putting forward for him, for the Bruce inciting the rebellion again and having himself crowned, it's, it's just not enough. It's just, it's not. They, they don't build it enough for me. Like, He's you know? at the time. It's one of my my favorite scenes just because it's fucking hilarious for in a random way. Is he is in Carrick at this time. He's sworn fealty to Edward I. Yeah. His father is still alive at this time. Peace has been, uh, is, is between everyone. And he's going to pay his taxes. And what happens when he goes to pay his taxes? Yeah, so he, 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 writes, down, <laughs> he writes down to Berwick with his, with his, with his brothers. Chestergold. And, 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 his, and his best mate, Angus. Yeah. Um, and they, like, personally bringing the taxes. <laughs> to, to, to the, and there's this scene, and I just absolutely love it, where he, he, himself and his brother are carrying this chest of gold. And they just walk into an office. And he just goes up to the desk, drops, drops this chest of gold on the desk, and he just goes, taxes from Carrick? And then the guy who's like taking note doesn't even look at him. He just goes, "Thank you, Lord Bruce," and they, and they just stroll <laughs> out. Lord Bruce. It, it's just so casual. Like, like the the, the Earl of Carrick himself is going to come down and give you the taxes, and you're like, "Thank you, Lord Bruce." <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah, and then we incite rebellion. Well, they come out. They yeah. come out back into into, into Berwick there. We, and we might assume that they may have counted the the tax. Yeah, you know what I mean. That it's from a subjugated. There could, uh, there could have been anything nation. in that box. You know what I mean. He could have been a box of stones. He just yeah, like, there. You yeah. got taxes from Carrick. <laughs> Fuck you. But yeah, they come back out into, into Berwick then. Berwick is a town that's right on the border between uh, Scotland and England, and um, they English troops arrive arrive up, and they're basically on a recruitment drive for the for the English army. Um, you see it prior to this as well, where they they actually arrive into Carrick and they're demanding demanding troops and yeah. to Bruce's new wife uh, um, Elizabeth de Burgh she prevents the recruitment of a very young man into the into the army she's like oh he's too young and 
my father's a general in, in, in Edward's army and I know he wants to, he prefers to command men, not boys. You're not recruiting this guy or whatever. And, you know, Robert Bruce is really impressed with how how uh, how forthright and brave his new wife is, you know. And, that's and then he tries it. to compliment her that night because it's a weird thing in this movie. He marries Elizabeth and there's this weird uncomfortable scene where the priest brings them to their marriage bed and they just kind of sit there uncomfortable like a couple of teenagers and decide to like not have sex well it's kind of an o- it, it's, it's kind of an awkward yeah. thing it's a weird it's, it's kind of an awkward thing yeah. the, the bruce is, is is a widower so his, his first wife uh died died in childbirth so he has so he has a daughter marjorie who in, historically is very important because she marries this guy uh walter stewart and that's where the next scottish line royal line comes from mm. it eventually ends up being the english royal line as well but anyway that's gone a bit off topic but um the, the bruce is, is is very much played as this kind of stoic uh, um pious kind of character you know so he, he's sitting on the bed with his new wife and he and he just kind of says good night to her and leaves her there so it's it, it's trying to play it across as this is an honorable man who's not going to force himself on a, on a, on a woman who mm. who had no choice in the marriage as, as no women ever had choice in these situations but he just he, he's, he's played off as this like very very honorable guy and it's 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 the movie is basically saying, look at Robert the Bruce versus Prince, the Prince of England. The one guy is a power hungry lunatic, and the other fella is this nice stoic guy. Even though later on in the movie, the Bruce just claims the throne, which is <laughs> obviously a power hungry mad thing to do as well. You know? Yeah, and I mean it is timed very well his his claim for when like right after his dad passes away he's also depicted at the start as saying like father made a decision it is our duty to bear it so yeah he's always respecting the head of the household meaning that when he becomes the head of the household he can say to all of his brothers like right no we're doing this you don't even get a say we're yeah. doing it no it's interesting like he has like four or five brothers the bruce and they're, they're having this big argument they they don't want to they didn't want to surrender to edward and, and swear fealty to the english crown which fair enough you'd understand that but the father makes them do it and then this all changes because the Bruce is a bit annoyed and he's in Berwick and he sees a few peasants being mistreated by English soldiers and that's his reason to restart the rebellion. I just yeah. don't buy well, there's the whole And would he not go back and get his fucking box of treasure? Yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, like, yeah. That he just handed So maybe it, it was just a box of stones. Yeah. You know? yeah. Maybe it was, <laughs> maybe was just a big IOU. But he has yeah. that line like Jacob was saying there where he's like, he's like uh, the people are up in arms. There can be no peace. You know, this, this is crazy. And they they play it as if like he's not initially doing it to be king, um. He, and then it's almost like when he is king, it's like a burden to him, and it's like, man, you did this, yeah, like you literally started this, like you know, because he he sends he basically sends a letter to to John Common to John Common, ah, yeah, love this part, his his rival to the throne, and 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 he he asks to meet him in a church. And Dumfries and, and the idea of the church being marked. Well, it's holy ground. You can't you can't spill blood in holy ground. You know, and the idea is you shouldn't even be armed going into the church. And so he he asks to meet him there and says to him, "Look, we should never have surrendered to Edward. Uh, you and I should join together." And he he has a line. He says, "Between us, we can raise twenty thousand yeah. men." So and then and Common's like, "Yeah, but you know, we hate each other, and I want to be the king, and you want to be the king." So Common basically says to him, "No, I'm going to go to Edward now and tell him that you're trying to betray." The, the oath of fealty you swore to him and he's going to put the crown on my head yeah because we're going to wipe out the bruce family and we'll be the only claimants left you know and the bruce realizes oh, i've made a really really bad error in judgment here so he pulls a knife from common's belt and stabs him under the chin into the head in the middle of the church it's probably the most memorable scene in the film as it's, well. it's yeah. really well done like it's and very it did brutal. actually happen yeah he did which do is it, the yeah. incredible thing yeah 
Yeah, and there's like different reports. Obviously, probably uh, the Bruce is the only one who knows exactly what happened there. Yeah. But uh, according to later stories, he, he is basically this that he he did this to do an alliance. Maybe he realized he made a mistake. But then you know, English uh, versions would say that he planned to kill him all along, which is not impossible. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like luring your rival into into a place where he thinks no violence can happen to him, and then just taking him out. Yeah, it's you know, but it's the important did it. <laughs> the important thing that it leads to is that he's given absolution for a sin, uh, for his sins in general, from the Bishop of Glasgow uh, in the film here, which is basically him going to the church and pleading with them. It feels a bit like he's again surprised that they are like, yeah, we'll make you king instead. It's like they either have to condemn him and excommunicate him or make him king, so they have to choose yeah, what to like, do. It's, it's, an inter- it's an interesting point around church power because yeah. I, I think it's it's kind of strange in the movie um, because the Bruce, like you say, he seems almost surprised too. Because he, 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 like he has this line that he says to uh, the guy Angus and he's like, I'm a damned man now. I have to tell the bishop that I've, that I've done this. I've killed Common. And he goes there and then it shows all the principal uh, bishops of Scotland arguing over what to do. Yeah. And one of them's like, we have to excommunicate him. He's, he's murdered someone on holy ground. And then one of them just goes, I think the pathway is clear. We absolve him of, of his crimes and crown him king of Scotland. You're like, what? Yeah, it's like complete, like, r- r- the la- last thing you'd expect him to say. But I suppose when you were talking about the church was very dominant at this time. And as well, the Scottish church would have been like, I want to look, we're looking after our patch. We, we don't want any interference from the English church or even that much from Rome. Mm. And they're like, we need to maintain control over the king of Scotland. And that's that's really key. Like the, the, the various churches in the medieval period, like we, like you might think of like the Catholic church as being quite a unified um, um, organization now. In the medieval period, remember, like communications are much slower. The churches, a lot of them kind of grew up without the, without the kind of overlordship of Rome or... I mean, it would be a nominal overlordship of Rome. It would have been missions as well. But they were missions, of, of course, that, yeah. yeah, turned into churches. And a lot of them, like these bishops are often from noble families. Mm. They're wealthy men, they're powerful men, they're rich men. They often have kind of children and wives and families on the side, kind of slyly, all this kind of stuff. And their fear really is that because this has happened and uh, one of the claimants to the throne has murdered another claimant to the throne, and they're nominally under the overlordship of the English crown. They fear that their church will be subsumed by the Church of England mm. or even the Church of Ireland per orders from Rome. So the only way they can prevent this from happening is they have to go with him and declare legitimacy of the king. That's basically what's happened, but the movie doesn't really explain that to any great extent. No. Yeah, and that's uh, basically why it leads up to the whole coronation bit. Uh, he's he, he's lost a lot of lords and a lot of people. Yeah. He's not in a great position. There's a very good scene uh, that, that I that I liked anyway. When when he kind of he kind of calls a council of lords mm. to tell them, look, this is what's happened. The bishops are going to crown me, and some of them are like, yeah, it's time for the king. It's it's time. we need to stop this internal fighting. It's nonsense. And then some of them are like, no, well, we're related to the Baileys. We're related to the Commons. We're related to the Huntings. We're related to these. We're never going to accept this. Some of them walk out, and the guy Angus again. I keep going back to this guy Angus, but he's really good. And then he's shouting, and he's like, "What are you doing? Think about what you're doing. You're abandoning Scotland." You know, this basically kind of in great. these scenes. By the way, what is funny is that it's a common thing you see in countries like Ireland or Scotland. There's so few professional actors that basically any of these large scenes with like ten lords arguing over. 
who's going to be the king and all that. You've seen every one of those. Guys. Oh, you recognize they, them all. Yeah. They've been in yeah. Train Spotting. They've been in, you know, they've been in every single movie. Do you know what's just struck me now that you said that? The guy who plays Angus, I think he's in Braveheart, and I think he plays the Irish guy in Braveheart. You know, the crazy Probably, Irish guy. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. I'm from like, Ireland. It's my island. You know, that guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the same actor. Yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah, just dyed hair or something. Yeah, like that, I think, yeah. I think yeah. that's him, yeah. But um, obviously, twenty years previously, like. But um, that whole scene is really is really good because it shows that like the Bruce is going to be uh, crowned king, but there's a certain element of the noble houses just aren't going to accept him at this point, at least, you know. So th- they bring him out to be crowned anyway, right? Yes, a hundred percent. And they don't have the famous stone of death or the stone of scone, scone, scone. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, and that's the stone uh, that eventually kings. Uh, I, I remember I read up on this, but I don't remember the details. Yeah, so this is kind of this is this is a an interesting kind of tidbit in Scottish history. It's a weird, weird kind of thing. So they have this thing called the, the stone of scone, which is which is this like stone, <laughs> like a stone seat that that they, that you have to sit on to be crowned, or you should sit on to be crowned. And it's it goes back to ancient ancient times, pre pre recorded history times. There's a there's an equivalent in Ireland at the Hill of Tara. Mm. Right on the top of the Hill of Tara, there's a king, thing called the Leah Fall, the Stone of Destiny. Yes, and there's some mythology around the idea that the original Gaelic inhabitants of Scotland brought part of the Leah Fall with them, and that's the Stone of Scone. Yeah. So the, the the Scottish kings or the the, the monarchs should be crowned on this stone. But what's happened, of course, is Edward this, Edward I has taken the stone and brought it down to Scotland. And that's a move at delegitimizing anyone who would who would try to be crowned. But the Scottish church decided, no, we're going to crown you in, in, in Scone anyway. Mm. Uh, but he, Edward I, they also reference that he's taken the crown, the actual yes. physical crown from Scotland as well. So he's like, so they say, whilst uh, a little gold rests in Scotland, yeah. men to work it or something Yeah, he like says, that. Uh, some gold yet remains in Scotland and good men to work it. Yeah. We have a crown and a king to wear it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a nice scene. The coronation scene. So this good. is our outlaw king. He's ready to go. He's, yeah. he's full crowned, rebellion. Yeah. I was, and, and the stone of Schoon. Schoon? Schoon? Yeah. Schoon? 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 I don't know how to explain it. Because I want to say scone, but it's just... But it's spelled scone, isn't yeah, it? I mean, it is. So I wonder, is it actually scone and that's just a Scottish accent pronouncing it? Or, yeah. you know, it I know I feel like as an Irishman, I really should know how to say this, but. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, yeah, it was uh, in either case kept basically by uh, the British royal family, which, as you mentioned, later gets its claim through the Bruce line anyway. So yeah. in a weird way, yeah, yeah. there's a connection there. But it's kept there um, until 1996. So it's crazy. Uh, at that point, they, it's sort of, Basically, a bit of growing. Don't take any chances with those Scots, you know. Don't give them back that magical stone. So Elizabeth, for one Eli- <laughs> so Elizabeth II, the current queen, she's crowned while sitting on the stone of Scone. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, isn't it? Um, that's where her magical powers derive from. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Her yeah. divine right to rule. <laughs> well, and and it's also like it was brought back to Scotland, but it's decided that it should be kept in Scotland when not in use for coronation. So it's not even like it's been given back. It's just been lent back. <laughs> so so that means like the next monarch in, uh, of, of Britain, they'll bring the stone back down to Westminster to crown the king while sitting on the stone. It's yeah. crazy. Yep. It is so crazy. it's it's crazy. Well, monarchy as an institution is a little bit crazy. So <laughs> well, you know, yeah. That's, yeah. I, think, I think we're probably in ag- agreement there. Yep. So the rebellion starts... Uh, or is that the right word? Rebellion, I would call it. Um, it. Yeah, like, I mean, it's it, like the way this is described in, in, in history is they call it the Scottish War of Independence. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's I don't know if rebellion is a right, no, it's no. the right way to phrase it, but they're, they're, they're refusing to accept the overlordship of England. Basically, that's what's happening. And 
And uh, so the Bruce rallies uh, what lords he can rally um, to his camp in Schoon. Um, he is, uh, like, he would have been shunned by many of them now. Yeah, like the, the like the leg- the legitimacy that the that the the church gives him is a big thing. That would have won over a lot of a lot of lords suicide. I mean, you have to remember this is the thirteen hundreds and people are really genuinely afraid of God. Like you know these mm. you know this whole phrase God fearing man. This, that's that's a real thing for these people. Mm. Um, so that that wins over a lot of the nobles, but of course some of them just don't come. They're just like no, this I'm not related to this guy. What's what's in it for me? Mm. That's the feudal thing. Was it MacDougall we see in the MacDougalls? Yeah, yeah so in the film that they're, they, they they're don't out by accept. the they're out by the coast and they just don't. So like, no, I, we're related to the Commons. We're not. We're not gonna. We're not gonna get involved with the Bruce. Like, I, I don't recognize. He's no king of mine. I think the guy. Oh, so he's later, a beggar yeah. king in a way. He's moving from town to town. Well, I, I, I don't. Think, I don't support. think. It's, I don't think at this point it's it, it's 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 fair to say it. I think he. I think he's reasonably legitimate. Like. Had what happens next not happened, mm. eventually those Scottish lords are going to come in line. Because what can you do? Yeah, the guy, yeah. the guy's got enough power. You know, I mean, it's going to mm. be it's going to be difficult to fight him, really. But the um, there's a I, I think we're going to get to Jacob's favorite. Part yes, now. it is my favorite scene. So, so what what we've got now is the Scottish Church has crowned Robert the Bruce King of Scots, um, which is an important thing. He's King of Scots, not King of Scotland, mm. um, and that's part of why the Bruce is such a cultural hero because. The, 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 the distinction is is important because um, he's king of the people and not the land. That's the phrase he uses, and and he actually agrees with with the nobles and the people that if if he was to take action that's against the benefit of the people, they have the right to strip him. So of the he's crown. there at the behest of the people. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah. thing, and it still exists in, in Scottish um, kind of folklore and and and, and, and it's very it has it has a little bit of ma- a Magna Carta feel to it. Oh, so, definitely. Yeah. You know, he's he's kind of he's. And for, for him, I think politically, that's him kind of saying, well, I'm the king at the behest of the people. So yeah. you, you, like these noble families can say you don't accept me, but that, that's irrelevant. The, Scot- yeah. the Scottish people think I'm the king. Mm-hmm. So whatever you say is... And he's also, important. with his new wife, we should say, he's inherited a lot of lands in Ireland as well. So he has a power base independent of Scotland. He does, yeah. And historically for the Bruce and his, in the, the Bruce Wars, or as they're referred to, um, historically for his family and, and, and the, the continuing wars between Scotland and and, uh, and England, the lands in Ireland come in, become very, very important later on. Yeah, The Bruce's brother, Edward, um, they attempt to basically open a second fr- front against the English crown. And uh, the Bruce's brother, uh, Edward, invades Ireland. And some of the Gaelic lords in the north of Ireland crown Edward as High King of Ireland. <laughs> now, it goes really badly for him because there's a famine and there's a really bad winter and then an army marches out of Dublin. It's Ireland. There's him. always a bad winter yeah, 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 and yeah. a famine. The weather's so, even worse. Oh, it's yeah, so forlorn. Yeah. And, um, but what happens to him, basically, is an army marches out of Dublin and it just smashes uh, Edward the Bruce and that, that's the end of him. So he, he's mm. King of Ireland for about five minutes, you know. But, so, uh, yeah. so effectively, he is in open rebellion now. Is he sacking cities? Is he sacking towns? He, he, does, he doesn't even get to that point. I think. I think we should. We should reference we need to get the, to the feast of swans. Yeah, we should reference By the, the English swans. Yeah, the I English. just can't <laughs> stop it. Every time I see it, I'm like, I want this <laughs> meme to be a meme that everyone knows because I know it so intimately. So we have an occasion that historically has, is referred to as the Feast of Swans. Um, it was at Westminster Abbey where 267 men were knighted on the 22nd of May 1306. Where so else? Yeah, of course. Where it's else? basically uh, because, well, the pretense or what have you, it's basically to swear uh, revenge for the heinous murder of uh, John Common on hallowed ground and yeah, so this, on. Yeah, that's the kind of the 
Cassius Belli, right? So the, this is the English reaction. So the news filters down. Uh, not only has the Bruce broken his his oath of fealty to Edward, he's had himself crowned, and he's murdered his principal <laughs> rival in a church. I mean, this is just scandalous. Edward can't have this. Also, all, a know? great excuse for. English noblemen to dress up swans in small crowns for yeah. some reason. Yeah, yeah. You, no studying of the historical context has given me an insight into why this is exactly, uh, but I do love it nonetheless. We do see some more of these uh, sort of simplifications for the sake of story in that uh, Edward I, Longshanks, he like knights his son and then gives him a big slap and sends him off to the side. And Let this be the last blow you take on answer. Yeah, and yeah. maybe that part happened, but like if you look at the actual day, he he knighted his son and then his son knighted all the other fellas and yeah. maybe that was just because he didn't want to wave the sword around that much or <laughs> it was uh, probably more because the relationship in reality and in history is nothing like it's depicted here mm. where he's like a hated like disappointment of a son yeah, where big at- daddy issues are played in this movie isn't it? Between, yeah uh, which addicts. I think might be something I don't know what it says about people who like historical movies, but I think that's a a, a point on the Netflix diagram as yeah. well. There's yeah, yeah that was in the King issues. too, right? Yeah, my yeah, dad so. never understood me yeah. either. Yeah, well, he, he has he has various lines, doesn't he? Where he, he like he, he says later on, he's like, oh, when you Edward Prince Edward says to the, the English King, he says, uh, when you when you beat me as a child, you were always scared that I didn't cry because you were afraid that I was stronger than you. I am stronger than you. You know, and you're like, this is, what's this about? You're stronger than him because he's on his deathbed. Yeah, well, anyway, that's another thing. There's no way he said that. Yeah. that just, you know. That, I suppose the, the thing is with this anyway, so this, all this by your swans and mass uh, knighting of all It's a great people. scene where he just has yeah. two swans by the neck. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, this is the reaction basically to, uh, the English reaction to everything yeah. Robert's doing. But, uh, I suppose the funny thing about this period as well is that, uh, they don't seem to know what the next steps are apart from just raise the dragon banner. And yeah, so th- which, which basically means is suspend the laws of chivalry. So the rules of war are out the window. So th- I think this is supposed to play back to Edward saying uh, in the opening scenes, you know, everyone must understand that this surrender is final. Yeah. And then they're like, nah. <laughs> as soon yeah. as he's gone out of Scotland, they're like, fuck it, we have our own king, you know. And so he says, we'll raise the dragon banner. I'm going to send the army north under Aymer de Valance, who's kind of their, like their chief. Kind of, he's the Earl of Pembroke. But he's like their chief military commander in the, in the English army. Angry so, orc face. And he's, yeah, he's yeah, a particularly yeah. scary looking individual, yeah. isn't he? Like, yeah, he does look, like I said, like uh, an orc that's been magically turned into a human. But like yeah. with all the <laughs> prosthetics still yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, he's, he, he's pure evil, this guy, isn't he? I mean, yeah. the, way, the, way, the way they play him, he looks evil, he is evil, he behaves. He's gone evil. in, yeah, they've gone for the classic movie line, if you want someone to look evil, put a massive scar on their face. Yeah, he has, know, yeah so. and it's all across his head, a huge you know, big scar, yeah, a big yeah. bald scarred head. But he, he leads the uh, the English army north and then the garrison out of Perth, which is right by uh, Scone, so it's right right nearby. And uh, the Bruce has got his, his force raised there, and there's a nice meeting between the two where the Bruce rides out to, to meet Valance, and he says, uh, I'm, I'm King of Scots, get out of Scotland, give back the castle of Perth, uh, you're not welcome here, and whatever. And Valance just kind of spits on the ground, he's like, King of Scots, like, who do you think you are, and blah, 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 blah. And we're gonna have the we're gonna have a fight and all of this kind of stuff, and the Bruce basically does this classic uh, classic movie thing where he challenges him to single combat, and uh, Valance says, "Yeah, yeah, I'll fight you," 
but he has no intention of doing that. So the laws of chivalry are suspended, which means a sneak attack at night on a Sunday is allowed. Visually beautiful, this attack, like with the fire arrows in the air at night and all that, but horrific, like brutal battle scenes, all this. Like, am I correct me if I'm wrong, but his rebellion has not been successful by any measure. It goes horrendously wrong for the Bruce. Like, so this is what happens historically. So he has this little force there, or reasonably large force, I suppose, in Scottish terms. The English army attacked him at night through a forest and they just massacred him. And the Bruce basically has no no chance and he has to flee. So him and a small gang of his supporters, they basically <sighs> escape out from this attack and the Scottish forces kind of melt away, which realistically in a medieval battle is what kind of what happens. Like, you know, you, you often see these like big armies and they come up against each other. The casualties are never quite as high as you might think because most of the time it's just a retreat. It's a rout. Like, you just, you just run. And that's the end of the battle. Like, you can see the field, as they say. But the Bruce goes on the run. So now his support, his forces are gone. He goes on a run west uh, in Scotland. Um, the English crown, or the English crown forces are riding around Scotland, sacking castles, looking for him. Pillaging, like... Pillaging, yeah. What I always find funny with these times, now I know it was the Middle Ages, but, you know, you often think now, you kind of know that you have to win the hearts and minds of a community if you want their support. Whereas, like, and we see, for example, in the war for Iraq, it's not good enough just to win a war by military yeah. you know, success. You need to actually you have, have to a win, plan for afterwards. You have afterwards. to win the peace. Yeah. And the English response here, like, you're not doing yourself any favours, no. lads. Like, they've rebelled for a reason, and now you're going in and pillaging. And well, this is the point. Like, like, so, yeah, this is the point exactly. So the Bruce is off, and he's on a pretty low ebb here. Like, I mean, he's he's got... I think at one point he says he's got 40 men left or yeah. something like that, right? He's like... <laughs> and this is the point where you say he's the beggar king, you know? So he wanders into... They wander into the territory of this clan, the McDougals. And uh, they're kind of like, oh, this is the king of Scots. And they're like, you're no king of mine, pal. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know who you think you are. Like, you know, you've, you have 40 men and you murdered my cousin to become king. No, 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 I'm not having it. Like, you know, they end up retreating to the islands, the, the isles off the, off the coast of Scotland. Mm. This is all true. This all did happen. Yeah. You know? would, he, would they have been partially uh, attacked by... Uh, oh, for sure, yeah. Guerrilla warfare, little attacks by um, by uh, disloyal clans or right. clans who are loyal to other other people. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And there, there's a lot of uh, kind of myths and stories that built up around the Bruce around this time. Like it's important to point out, like Robert the Bruce in, in in for for Scots, like he's a culture hero. You know, this yeah. is this is a, he's a national icon to the Scots. This guy, like William Wallace, is you know Braveheart, mm. like. They're, they're, these guys are kind of foundational mythic characters for, for the Scottish uh, psyche and th- there's all these stories around the Bruce at this point where he's kind of hiding in a cave and there's this famous story how he, he's like it's all going terribly wrong and he, he can't seem to be able to get any wins against the English you know and while he's in this cave he sees a spider trying to build a web and the web collapses and then the spider gets up and he tries it again and the web collapses and then he gets up and he tries it again and that, that whole thing is supposed to inspire him to keep going like you know just because you don't succeed at I, first and just know. a word before we suppose we get to the crux of the movie with the battles and all that the as far as you're concerned Chris Pine's portrayal of Robert Bruce on screen there Mark does he uh, is it accurate like to, to the Rob, the historical character Robert Bruce was he an honourable character who would wait for his wife uh, you know, our chivalry, so that they wouldn't, you know, was all this. I mean, does any of this make any well, sense? Y- y- before you answer that, I just want to mention, like, uh, 
Elizabeth Berg and him have been married for years at the start point of the film yeah. as yeah. well. Like they married in 1302 mm-hmm. and she was about 18. He was about 28 yeah. at the time. Sounds so right. I presume he, they did sleep together before this because in you, the seem film, with, you seem obsessed with this. Like. They make a really big deal out of it though. <laughs> and then eventually when they do sleep together, there's a weird tissel in their bed. Yeah, it was and, a bit on the nose, wasn't it? The yeah. flower of Scotland on the bed here. Like, you yeah. know, it's just a bit... It's a bit, it's a bit the, like. the reason is, I find it unusual is because at that time a marriage wasn't considered legitimate until it was consummate. Yeah. So that's what I found unusual. So he sealed his new alliance with his new wife. No, uh, I literally think it, it is like it. Uh, looking at like, well, Tyrion did this with Sansa. People like that season of Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do that here. Oh, it's a, yeah, t- t- just undoubtedly that's so, what it is. So, like, make him an honorable man that has to earn her trust. Well, it's, impor- it's important to know Elizabeth de Berg is the mother of David de Bruce, which is the next king after after Robert. His son become, becomes king. And he, yeah. he, he, does a, he, does a, he has a mixed career. He gets captured by the English. And Robert himself, he was a bit of a... He, he wasn't that honorable. Like, he was a, known for kind of his loose morals, he, he got, was he? He got, Well, he got around. Like, well, yeah. like, look, here's the thing, okay? When it comes to these movies, you have to understand these people in their own context. They're yeah. all, by modern standards, even the, the most brave and stoic and best of these people are horrific people. Yeah. Like, the Bruce is going around hacking people to death with an axe. You know what I mean? Like, Pissed I know, off you can say he's, he's fighting for syphilis. the freedom of Scotland yeah, and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, the guy's well, yeah. riddled with it. Like. Yeah. They, 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 do say, they do say that's what killed him. Like, he's yeah. supposed to have just died from syphilis. Like, you know, I mean. These, these are not, oh, the Middle Ages. Yeah, you know, it's, it's syphilis or dysentery, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> They're your options, or you die in a battle. Like, you it's know not I mean? super cinematic, so we'll, we'll go for the battle. Right, exactly. Usually. Yeah. But uh, around this time as well, so his wife is captured, um, d- portrayed horrifically in, in the film, yeah. where um, Robert's brother gets, you know, hung and gutted. His brother, his brother Neil, yeah. He's, that's an personally. awful job, yeah. yeah by, the, by the Crown Prince of England himself in this one. Yeah, he's <laughs> not, not, not terribly accurate. So the, the Bruce is, like I said earlier, is that he's a load of brothers and they all have a horrible time in this movie. Like, you know, they'll yeah. just get picked off one, kind of one, one by one. When, when they're attacked by the McDougal clan, there's a couple of them killed there as well, right? One of them, one of them takes a spear yep. to the chest. Like, it's pretty bad. Like, Safe to say there wasn't a lot of character development done on Robert's uh, brothers in the film. No, but no. like uh, even those things, it's like him going to his brothers and saying, uh, I, you, I, I demand your support in this, we're doing this. Mm. We're basically from Chris Pine's stairs, supposed to infer what's going on in yeah. his mind where he must feel a guilt uh, because he's the one who's brought this about and yeah. he must feel like he has to win now to make it worth the sacrifice. Like, But these are all things we basically just have to assume is going on in there. Yeah, like there, there, is, there is a scene... Um, the scene in Berwick when when they watched it after he's given the taxes, they said, thank you Lord Bruce after that scene when the English troops come in and they're kind of brutalising the locals or whatever one of the brothers you can hear him he keeps saying Robert we have to do something Robert we have to fight back Robert we have to fight back Yeah, one of them keeps saying that and he I think he's the one who takes a spear to the chest then later on but all, all, all that can be really uh, inferred is like some of them want to fight and one, of the, one or two of them don't really want to fight but they're all following Robert he's made yeah. the decision now you know. and so Robert basically does he succeed in maybe building up a bit of a force during well, his little exile on it's, the it's island? Quite, it's kind of interesting. It's the point you made earlier, like you know, the 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 they're great at winning these wars, but they're terrible at winning the peace. And the the, the English reaction and their, their their kind of their actions in Scotland, it does nothing to ingratiate them with with the locals. So Robert is kind of off as the outlaw king. You know, he's he's off in in the kind of the islands and he's doing these 
guerrilla hits against the English forces all throughout or throughout Scotland, and that he's becoming kind of this kind of uh, romantic figure among among those the local Scots. So even even the crowd, the the clans and the, and the families and stuff who maybe didn't support him um, in his coronation early on. He's starting to win them over. Just he looks like the best bet. Yeah. yeah. Well, he looks like he's a romantic figure. You know, he's he, like there's this like martial law imposed on Scotland by the English army, and the only person who's doing anything about it is this guy, the Bruce, who just is just coming out of the forest, attacking these garrisons, and then disappearing. And he's doing that alongside a, a, a character we haven't mentioned yet, which is uh, Douglas, um, and he he's played by Aaron Taylor Johnson. And he plays him like an absolute lunatic. Yeah, which but, which I really appreciated. Actually, I thought it was quite. But I his really lunacy like feels more. Um, I don't know. It, it feels more believable than Billy Howell's lunacy. Yeah, as, for sure. As the prince. Yeah. Well, he he plays this guy called the Black Douglas, and he he's another Scottish kind of national icon, the Black Douglas, and he and he's known as a guerrilla warfare leader. So he he's I, one, he's one of the Bruce's lieutenants. You know, I think him he he would be a great subject for a TV series. Yeah, oh yeah, he'd be fascinating. So his family, um, in the in the earlier wars, the Wallace's Rebellion, his family basically make the wrong decision and and they get stripped of their land. There's a, there's a scene early, like early early in the movie where he comes in to see Edward the First when they're all swearing fealty. And he basically says, oh, oh, can we have our lands back? You know, you confiscate our lands. And your mom's like, no, you can't. Edward's like, no. Royal decree. I never want to hear the word Douglas again. <laughs> like, so you're banished. Get yeah, out. You know, fucked, yeah. <laughs> which is, yeah, it's the worst thing possible. So uh, the black Douglas throws his lot in with, with Robert Bruce because what else is he going to do? You know? Yeah, and we get a very dramatic uh, him taking back his home castle yeah. and telling everyone there, you're free now, and then burning their home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why now did he burn his us. own castle? Well, there's, there's an interesting yeah. thing. What's happening now is the Bruce's traditional military force has been, has been wiped out. He's on the run. The movie doesn't do a great job of, of showing a time frame here, but this goes on for a few years mm. where, they're, where the Bruce's forces are, are guerrilla warfare forces, so they're making hits against... Uh, English military forces all through Scotland and they're gradually taking back um, pieces of land and so on and uh, the Black Douglas says yeah can I go and take my own castle back you know it's important for me to take it back mm. so he says yeah yeah take 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 five men with you you know <laughs> he goes in and it's just brutal scene where he goes and just murders a lot of guys when they're in mass you know it's crazy and then he burns the old castle down the reason they're burning the castle down is it's a scorched earth thing. They want to deny the stronghold to the English force. That's the idea, basically. So you, you can't use it either. Um, so he gradually has, is gaining the support, and he knows he's going to have to face battle eventually with At some Edward, point he's going to either fight Edward him. or Edward's son or Valance. Yeah. Okay. yeah. At some point, he's going to have to fight him. The movie leads it up to the Battle of Loudon Hill. But the timeline there is a bit off with what really happened, isn't it? It's kind of backwards. Yeah. So... The Bruce, um, he does go to the islands. So he, he goes off to the Western Islands in Scotland, the Hebrides. And, and he hangs out there and he, and he gradually gathers forces and this guerrilla warfare hits all around Scotland, whatever. But what actually happens in reality is the, the Battle of Loudon Hill happens, which the movie has as kind of the climactic battle. But in, in reality, what happens is that battle happens. The Bruce wins the battle. And then after that, they gradually begin taking castles back and regaining the force. And people start believing, oh, well, maybe we can actually win this. And it takes a long, long time. and Like, seven years after the Battle of Loudon Hill, we come to a really climatic battle, which is probably the most famous battle in Scottish history, which is Bannockburn. And that happens in 1314, where it's the Scottish Royal Army under Robert the Bruce 
against the English Royal Army as led by Edward II. Yes, because Battle of Loudon Hill. Loudon Hill. Yeah. Mm. This one, um, which finishes the film, basically uh, Edward II wasn't even there at the time. No, the army was led by Aimer de Valance, yeah. the, the evil orc-looking guy. Mm. Um, but did, how did did Edward die on his horse too? So Stephen Delane. I don't know if he. Yeah. I don't know if you can say he died on his horse, but I, I I do believe he died on on his on his movement north. All right, but I'm, mm. I'm not sure. In the film, anyway, they just have him sort of looking. He intensely. just gets tired or something, and then yeah, dies. he gets tired on the horse and <laughs> falls over. But yeah. that's how Robert the Bruce's dad dies as well. He's just mm. kind of sitting there and they're having a chat. He looks a bit upset, then he falls asleep and doesn't wake up. That's it. It's just he dies of sadness. You know. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of him die of sadness. Yeah, and this weird one. Yeah. But it's better than dysentery. It's, yeah. in, it's interesting that they kind of chose to end the movie with Loudon Hill. I mean, I know they're trying to condense the timeline a bit, but and I wonder did they did they purposely choose Loudon Hill because Braveheart finishes with the Battle of Bannockburn? You know, mm. just that you know that famous scene and at the end. And you know, there is, there is no matter what you say about this film, Outlaw King, the, the kind of the white elephant in the room is always. Braveheart. Yeah, like it's forever it's forever in the shadow. One is associated with yeah, the other, you know. It's forever in the shadow of Braveheart, I guess. In but. many ways it's a better movie in some ways, like in terms of historical accuracy anyway, it's a better movie than Braveheart, oh, for sure, you know. Yeah, and it, it was the old dysentery that got in there. It was a dysentery. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. the old dysentery. Just get shooting you. yourself to death. Yeah, yeah, it's an awful thing. And of course, in this one, again, the relationship between his son and him is so different. Uh, like, it's all about the daddy issues, and that's why he has to beat uh, the Bruce. And that's, like, it was, It has been, you know, one of the histories is that he he may have asked for his bones to be boiled and brought into battle with the Scots, yeah. which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, but another one said he wanted his heart brought to the Holy Land. Like, you, you yeah. never really know. Um, but, yeah, it ends up being uh, Edward the second who eventually has the big fuck off battle where Scotland wins years yeah, after this. I, I, one thing I would say about the, the way they did a the battle, I really liked how they shot the battle. I thought, oh, yeah. I thought it was really, really well done. So it's, it's, it's 600 Scots against 3000 English. Yeah. Uh, and that, that is, that five, is about accurate. Roughly. Five to one. Yeah. yeah. Five, five to one. Yeah. And, and it, it's a, it's, roughly accurate in terms of the numbers and what the Scots do like like I find I often end up saying uh, when we're talking about battles in, on the show um, they use the land because that's, that's basically what you have to do especially if you're outnumbered to that extent and they basically draw the English to uh, the land around Loudon Hill and Loudon Hill is in I think it's in Ayrshire which is, which is um, local to the Bruce's actual home power base and basically the land is really sodden and the fear that the Scots have is the English heavy cavalry and the heavy cavalry in the feudal, you know, medieval period is like a tank. Do you know what I mean? You can't stand up to the charge of a heavy, heavy yeah. horse. Um, so what they do is they dig trenches into the into the muck and they put big stakes and they draw the English cavalry charge in. The idea being that the Scots kind of have infuriated the English and the English under the Valance want to just smash them, just want to wipe them out. So they're going to go a full frontal cavalry charge, which is what you do to do that. But it goes horribly wrong because they fall into the into the into the ditches into it's the a real yeah like it's a it's a really excellent battle scenes and brutal, horse cavalry it's really really brutal the, yeah. the one thing I did want to check uh, which is was your opinion really on like was there no enemy spies in either camp because like if you were digging massive trenches and sticking like spiky poles in them um, and you you'd only need one spy in the enemy camp who could then pop over and go yeah, by the way, probably avoid the cavalry there. Let's not do a cavalry charge, a full-on charge. <laughs> yeah. But in uh, every movie, 
that you see that type of thing where the land is used to defeat. Uh, we a, didn't a, know a, there was a hill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, the land is sodden in Scotland. <laughs> Not me told me to be mud. <laughs> <laughs> What's this trapdoor like? There's never any explanation other than oh, mu- they must be a bit stupid. You know, that's all that you can say. Well, I mean, you, you would, you would. I would often say if you look at like medieval warfare tactics, like they're not what you'd what you might think. I mean, like not most, very good. most of these guys are not great tacticians. This is a lot of it is just frontal cavalry charges, like smash into the center. If you force a route, the battle's over. Because if you can do that effectively, like if if you think about how this would work, if you put three three hundred, let's say, heavy cavalry at the front line, and you smash into a line of of infantrymen, the the back of that line of infantrymen, they're gonna run. The thing that causes most deaths in battles, in standing battles, in, in all throughout history in standing battles, is not the actual one-on-one combat. It's when the one army routes, when they flee, that's what causes the death. It's not It's not actually the one-on-one combat. Once you break the line, that's it. You route them. So, Mick, you were playing Total War earlier. Mm. If you really want to up the casualty, you, you break the line and then you send light horse after them and you just cut them to bits. That's how it happened. That's how the Romans would win a battle. They'd cause a rout. That's how Alexander would win a battle against a bigger force. You cause a rout. Once the rout happens, it's over. Because mm. there's and a panic so setting. This, in, this you know? is what happens in the Battle of Loudon Hill. Then. Yeah, so they smash yeah. into the. They come to smash into the Scottish line, but they hit the ditches. So you can imagine this: this hundreds of horses just falling into these pikes, and the Scots are just hacking you to bits. And you, you're, you know, you're, you're the horses on top of you. There's a spike sticking into you, and you've got these guys who are just savagely hacking you away. And you, even if you try to stand up, you can't because it's so slippery and muddy and wet and sodden it's horrible and they 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 massacre the, the force of english to come against them like some of the estimates of this battle say the scots lost less than 100 men in this whole battle it's crazy. Uh, but hold on edward the second so the oh, weird hairstyled yeah. mad yeah. prince he unfortunately the movie does this thing where we we're talking earlier where you've got the you've got the like one-dimensional evil character and they have to have him have a duel against the you know it's just yeah. not like and i i get it like symmetrically they have a little practice duel at the start and there's like this rivalry and it's gonna grow yeah. and expand to the size of continents and then they're they just have to put a duel here and there's several things in this film and in many films where i'm like i'll i can accept like I don't have a problem with this and that inaccuracy. It's just when you're watching this scene, you're just going, "This absolutely didn't happen." Yeah. You can't really engage with it. Yeah, this is the moment that super did not happen. Yeah, and it's it's also his uh, performance in it because in contrast, so beforehand uh, we have the Bruce like he's helping dig the ditches and everything. Yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. the everyman, and then you have. Uh, Edward II being uh, a lunatic before, after, and during all of this, yeah. and he's in the mud, screaming his head off, having a big tantrum <laughs> because he hasn't achieved this yeah. thing. He's that, just screaming, "Help me! Help you know, me!" He was going to show up his dad or whatever, and like he, he wasn't doesn't even there of a toddler. Yeah, no, he's somewhere. Yeah, he's he actually has he like actually that. has a tantrum. Yeah. So he's basically in the mud, and he comes across. The Bruce, they come across each other in the middle of the battlefield, which not very likely, but they do in the movie, and they have this duel, and uh, the English king, as he is now, Edward II, he basically just falls on the ground, he can't get up, the Bruce doesn't even kill him, he even throws his sword down, and then the English king just gets up and, and scrambles away, and they let him walk away. The Scottish forces, who've just been hacking the English soldiers to bits, just allow the king of England to walk away. And their wife. 
the Robert's wife and and, and daughter are, have are been captured. Still captured yeah. You know, yeah, it's not like we need a hostage to exchange yeah, you or know, anything. I mean, it's like again, the the it's just for the clarity of the film to show Bruce being like, "I, you're nothing to me. You don't matter." But yeah. he does matter. I'm so much better than you. But like, yeah. it, obviously, that could, that doesn't make any sense. But it's. Like I feel like the the writing they're like willing to bend the rules enough to have him there, but they obviously can't like have him kill or capture him there because yeah. he wasn't even fucking there. Because he wasn't even so there. Giving the yeah. totally wrong ending to the story, but this feels just as wrong to me. It doesn't make but, any like, sense. Like this is where it gets back to my suspicion that Netflix have a formula that basically says you have to have a n- certain number of jewels, certain number of set battles. So it's like two plus two. Yeah. And then, you know, if you if you add up all these, you'll get a movie that'll be relatively successful. Because in The King, which was the next kind of major historical, uh, historically based film that Netflix released, you have the same thing where you have a, jewel, over a jewel at the end yep. between a ridiculously over-the-top prince and a heroic noble uh King and this you know heroic I mean. noble it's this, king. It, it's it's it, almost simi- like also using the land and yeah. also yeah, coming yeah. in in it's the mirror mud image. And, but and there it, is one key difference in the king, uh, uh, Henry Henry the fifth. He he kind of makes this hand gesture, mm. and he's like, you know, he, he can't even be bothered killing killing the, the French prince. He makes a hand gesture, and his men hack the guy to bits. But in Outlaw King, the, the king of England is crawling away in the mud, and the the Scottish soldiers who just so you're aware here, their blood is up, they're in the middle of a battle, and they've just been hacking people to death, and they just don't do anything, and they let the English king crawl away. No, they would stamp him into jam. That's what happened there, like, they would kick the living hell out of this guy. If they didn't kill him, that'd be a miracle. But they at least captured the guy. Come on, it's, it's yeah. absolute nonsense. So Netflix, we, we really appreciate you making these films, you know, it keeps us busy. But try and try. You don't need a jewel at the end of everyone. No, you really don't. We don't need the the good guy against the bad guy. Like in such in such a in such a plainly a historical moment, you know. And if yeah. whatever comes out this November, you release. If there's a a jewel <laughs> at the beginning jewel. and a jewel at the end again, I'm writing a strongly worded email. If someone <laughs> challenges someone else to fight a battle between two instead of having their armies clash together i'm writing a letter yeah i'm just yeah i'm, I'm really we're on to you i'm really <laughs> sick of saying this the formulaic stuff yeah. yeah 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 but then the the weird thing is there are so many things that are good about it that it it to- they totally don't need to improve it because we're still going to watch it and we're part of the demographic and yeah. we're the be- because it, it has a lot of great stuff in it, it has good acting in it from a lot of people uh, even Billy Hal like I said I don't think he's bad he, he just doesn't quite match he's just chewing the scenery a bit because he's he's yeah. being asked to play a lunatic character yeah. well, I will I will say about Chris Pine though I, like this is one of his best performances I've yeah. seen I have to say like, you, yeah. I, I do, he is quite good and like he's able to do that stare that kind of yeah that stare you know how uh, when we, we did the episode on Kingdom of Heaven and I'm I'm complaining about Orlando Bloom that he can't even hold a convincing stare he's no face. presence he's no presence yeah. that's the thing that Pine has got he has an intensity that he that he can you can see the thing is weighing on him and he's concerned and he's panicked or he's you know he, he's able to carry that off a little bit he's more of a leading man maybe you yes. know 100% yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's uh, a lot of good stuff in it and, like, the, the nice desaturated look they always go yeah. for a little bit to make it, like, no, this isn't, like, a history film from the 90s with bright colours, even though, apparently, the Scots would have worn a lot of yellow. Yeah, uh, yellow and red. Historically. Yeah. yeah. Great camouflage in Scotland. <laughs> yeah. 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 
We How did they find us? Military theory hadn't quite come to the idea of camouflage at this point. Yeah. It's all flags and bright colors yeah. so you can see yeah. who you're killing, you know? We've pretty much reached the end of the film there. So how does how do things develop after this for the next uh, little bit? Like we alluded to, uh, his line hilariously does end up uh, yeah, on the British it, throne. It, it's, it's an interesting one because like what basically happens here is, is uh, as I mentioned earlier, like the Bruce... After Loudon Hill, it, it um, he he essentially rallies the entirety of Scotland behind him. They 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 start believing the guy, you know. Um, but there's seven years of continuous warfare back and forth with the English. There's, there's raids from Scotland into England. There's an attempt to open a second front in Ireland, which I mentioned earlier, it goes horribly wrong. Um, it culminates in the, the Battle of Bannockburn, uh, where the 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 Bruce um does actually face off against. Edward II commanding the English army and the Scottish army win a, a resounding victory. That's a much, much larger battle. There's maybe maybe 15,000 Scots at that and maybe 20,000, 25,000 English. Um, and that's a fairly brutal battle that the, the, the Scots win. But that kind of closes off that stage of the this, this Scottish-English wars. Um, what happens to the Bruce is uh, he decides, as part of his penance for murdering somebody in a church, he decides he's going to go on crusade. Mm. Um, but he doesn't make it. He he uh, he dies in the waves of, of syphilis, and they carry his heart. The orders are that they will carry his heart into battle against against the Muslims. So he's actually Braveheart. It's not William Wallace who's Braveheart. It's it's Robert de Bruce actually who is Braveheart. But he, what happens with him is his son uh, by Elizabeth de Burgh, um, David, who, who by the way wasn't put in a wooden cage. Although to be fair, no. her like sister, yeah, her sister. Uh, was put in a wooden cage erected on the wall uh, of Roxburgh and Berwick, respectively, uh, sister and Isabella Macduff, who was the countess. She'd um, catch her dead. Yeah. It's, I mean, cold it, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's cold up north. It's cold up north. A massive bird cage. Yeah. El- uh, Elizabeth, quite sensibly, was held in uh, England instead, so that, you know... I do. I, I also do, I, w- I will say, like, I, w- I would have liked a little bit more screen time for... Polaris Pugh, I think she's quite good. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. she she's she's they, they just don't give her enough to do, you know, which is which is a you know common trope with with the, the female leads. They do try movies, to you know? force her at one stage to denounce her husband. Yeah, it's uh, a good scene where she's like, yeah, they're like she's re- nice. renounce the title of queen, and she's like, I can't, I won't, like you know. But I I, I like that actor. I think she's I think she's quite good. Um, yeah, you were talking about their son. Yeah, um, so their son David the Bruce, he be- he becomes uh, king of Scots. Um, and there's you know varying fortunes. He ends up being at one point he's he's captured and he's held prisoner in in London, and he has this alliance with France and blah 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 blah. Anyway, there's he he ma- he ma- manages to maintain Scotland's independence, but he dies, um, and the Bruce line ends with him. So what happens is uh, the Bruce's daughter from his first marriage was in the movie Marjorie, the the little mm. the little girl, the cute little girl. She grows up and marries uh, another Scottish lord, um, who's called Walter Stewart. And yeah. They produced the Stuart Royal House, which becomes the, the King of Scots. Over time, eventually, what happens is James uh, Stuart, James the Sixth of Scotland, he is, many years later, many now. years later, yeah. in the in the, the six in sixteen o two, so it's three hundred years later, he is the closest relative of the monarch of England, who's Elizabeth I. She dies without an heir. She's famously the Virgin Queen. And so what happens is she definitely wasn't. A she definitely wasn't. Though Walter Raleigh was was uh, was hanging out with her a bit too much for them for that to be the case. But anyway. Um, the crown essentially passes, the English crown passes to uh, James Stuart, James VI, and he becomes the King of Scots, King of Scots and King of England. And that's the thing that kind of creates the modern day United Kingdom. The King of Scotland becomes King of England, not the other way around, which people might 
you know, be of the impression that England kind of went in and conquered Scotland. It's not really how it happened. It's you know? a different. Yeah, well, they did attempt it in the 12th and 13th century. They did. Yeah. They did. I mean, but <laughs> the, the, the modern, the modern day yeah. uh, unifi- unification of the crowns is is, is through bloodline rather yeah. than rather than conquest. Now there is later political disputes and battles, and Scottish armies are slaughtered by English armies later on, and, and things. But they're usually down to like religious warfare and political upheaval and stuff. And just w- uh, before we go, I suppose. Uh, a gift to the Scottish National Party, this film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Per- yeah. Perfect. Perfect timing for Nicola Sturgeon. I half expected to see her just kind of have a cameo, you know, just kind of yeah. walk on through, or just even to see Alex Salmon sitting in a corner eating a chicken leg or, yeah. <laughs> or a chicken wing or something. I think like, he's you know got I mean? enough on his plate He probably does, yeah, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. Those tribunals. Yeah. So. But I think um, we won't, it, we won't discuss that. If, there's a, if there's a push maybe for, for a second Scottish referendum, on independence, I, I imagine you may you may see uh, you may see images from this movie kind of uh, wheel Chris online. Pine out. Could wheel Chris know. Pine out, yeah. yeah. Maybe get uh, Mel Gibson over, give it a bit of Wallace, like you know. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure that may be a thing that uh, will be part of future history, which will one day <laughs> be discussed by our heirs as they take over the show. Uh, and, robots, probably robots. Yeah, ro- yeah. Robot podcast, it's the new thing. That's it for episode nine of Real History. Next episode will be a special finale episode where we take some listener questions Ooh. and maybe get a bit silly. So look forward to that. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks. Thanks.